Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Thanks for joining us on Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast formerly known as Coffee Break. My name's Alex and I'm from the recruitment team here at UEA and this month I'm pleased to be joined by Lucy, one of our HE advisors. Hi Lucy. Hi. Hi. Can you just uh, remind us which areas you cover? So I work in Norfolk, Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire as well as travelling to Europe to work in Bulgaria and Romania. Okay, so now hopefully schools and colleges are back into the swing of things with the autumn term. I was just wondering if you could give us your thoughts on the kind of things that teachers and advisors might want to be considering at this time of year in terms of helping their students get prepared for making their HE choices. So it's obviously a really busy time of year as school starts up again and students who are in the sixth form are distinctly busy trying to learn new schedules and new timetables. Um, But it's also important that we focus on the application cycle and especially when it comes to universities looking at the deadlines that might be fast approaching. So in particular, the October the 15th deadline for students looking at medicine dentistry, veterinary or perhaps applying to Oxford or Cambridge is coming up thick and fast. In some cases students will already have completed their personal statement or maybe on their second or third draft but it's definitely a time for um, teachers to be collecting in those particular personal statements to make sure they're not missing out on the deadline of October the 15th. When it comes to looking at the content of their personal statements there's lots of things that students sort of query with us as they're working through. Some of them will be very concerned that over the summer they've not been able to gain as much relevant medical experience as they think is important. So for us, it's very much about looking at the opportunities that might be out there and the things that they might already have had um, or gained over the last perhaps year or 18 months. So thinking about um, perhaps part-time jobs or work experience they've had, relating it back to perhaps the NHS core values or the six C's which come under sort of NHS principles and underpinning what the NHS is might be one way that students can take their work experience, make it relevant to the things that are important for NHS professionals and then perhaps relating it back to the medicine experience that they're looking to gain from universities. So that particular example follows an ABC technique we often use with students. So where they've talked about an activity that they've taken part in and they've made it relevant in this case by bringing it back to the NHS values, but also told us what they've gained. That's a really important factor when looking at personal statements. Things that they feel are important to them um, and what they got out of that experience. It's not just a list of what they've been involved in but what they've actually got out of that experience and then lastly taking it back to the course and making it relevant to the medicine experience that they have. As long as students are being thoughtful about what they've learned and what they've gained it's very much about the skills and experience that they've got or what they could be looking into. Students often also query with us how they can fill out a personal statement 
when they haven't perhaps got any work experience. So it's very much about talking about things that they have studied, um, things they've taken part in, perhaps scholastic competitions, perhaps they've read a particular topic or done some additional reading over the summer on something that's really important to them within that field, or perhaps they've got an inspiring teacher who's taken them on a field trip or taken them off to a summer school. Perhaps they've taken part in a university activity with another university and there's no reason not to put in that experience because it still shows that they've critiqued, thought about what they're learning and thought about what they want to study in the future. It's also an important time of year if students are thinking about apprenticeships as another opportunity. So it's worth starting to look for those apprenticeship opportunities. We all know that apprenticeship students have a number of different hoops they have to jump through. And obviously the information that their personal statement is including can also be put in their apprenticeship applications but they might have to do a number of other activities so looking for those opportunities now will mean they're fully prepped and they've already got their personal statements sorted for those activities. For students looking for a bit more information about the universities that they're applying to there's also a number of late open days that fall in September and October um, where students can still go and experience the open day um, information, you know, go and speak to academics, speak to students at that particular open day, find out what their course is like, take a particular opportunity. For us, we often advise students to attend open days over any other research because they will know very quickly once entering a university campus whether or not the university has the right feel for them. They wouldn't go to a restaurant without having, you know, done their research, looked at TripAdvisor, perhaps asked their friends, and we would suggest the same for open days. UEA has two open days coming up um, on the 19th and 20th of October, which means it's a Saturday and a Sunday, so hopefully it gives the best flexibility for students to be able to attend and come and have a look at UEA. And a number of universities are doing the same thing. If a university has run out of open day opportunities, it could be that you can book a campus tour through the um, admissions at that university or perhaps through the inquiries line at that university. So there's lots of options for students who are still trying to make that decision over their courses. They've got a little bit of time to think about what's happening next, but it's very important for those um, students with the October 15th deadline to start thinking about wrapping up their personal statements. Great. So loads going on and obviously there's lots of help available if people need it. Yeah, absolutely. We're all out there to help. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. So I'm pleased to welcome this month's guests, Adrienne Jolly and Darren Johnson. Um, hello both and welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. 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 Um, Darren and Adrienne, you're both careers advisors from the UEA's careers team. Can you tell us a bit more about your roles and what the careers service offers? Yeah, so, so my role, I work specifically with the, um, the, the Norwich Business School, School of Psychology um, and School of Economics. Um, quick summary of my role, um, part of it is one-to-one -one work, so we offer sort of quick queries, 15-20 minute sessions to help with any sort of career-related query, very commonly CVs, applications, interviews, um, and longer guidance appointments, so that students that are finding it hard to make a decision about their futures, whether that be right from their first year of studies, uh, right to their final year of studies, the other big part of the, the role of a careers advisor is actually working in collaboration with the schools. So I, I, I do school drop-ins, 
I, mean, I work on um, large projects, so within the um, business school we have the Employability Week, which is almost 60 events of employability-related workshops and employers on campus. And with the School of Psychology, we have the Psychology Showcase, which introduces students to a range of different career options. Fabulous. Hi. Um, and so I'm Adrienne, and I look after schools in the Faculty of Arts and Humanities. So I do very similar things <coughs> to uh, Darren. I do a lot of one-to-one uh, -one work, a lot of guidance work. And like him, we have an events programme in the Arts and Humanities. Um, predominantly, we have things like Working with Words, which is a day-long conference for students who are interested in the creative industries. And that's something that I organise. And it's a very big event, so it takes a lot of putting together. I think what's slightly different um, about our faculties is that there are less obvious routes for lots of arts and humanities um, students and so I do a lot of work around sectors so helping students to understand what it means to go into marketing or into publishing or journalism so it's working across the faculty rather than doing things that are very tailored for an individual school. That's fabulous thank you very much. Do students generally get any help when they graduate when they're moving on to their next mm. steps from university? Yeah, so basically um, the, the students can still access our service for up to three years, three years um, after they actually graduate. So that gives them access um, to things like mock interviews, which we can do by Skype um, and telephone, as well as face-to-face. -face. Um, they can still come for guidance appointments. We can check their CVs, for example, give interview tips, application tips um, by email. Adrian, did you want to say more? Like yeah, that? and I think also there's a really exciting project just coming on stream um, for graduates who remain in Norfolk, and a lot of our graduates come from Norfolk, but also a lot choose to stay because they fall in love with Norwich. Um, and so the Gateway to Growth project is going to be developing really close relationships with small and medium-sized businesses. We've got an amazing creative digital sector. We've got some fantastic tech companies. We've got some amazing engineering companies. So the project is about really trying to connect Norfolk graduates with those smaller organisations that are quite hard to find when you're first starting out with your job hunting. They're less obvious in terms of their presence on, on recruitment sites and things like that. And following on from recruitment sites, I know you guys do a lot around um, facilities through social media like LinkedIn mm -hmm. and helping students to build their profiles mm -hmm. through that with help and advice so you can get those students out visibly in the market yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, so. absolutely. LinkedIn is probably the thing we encourage students to get involved in the most. Um, because it's such a fantastic way of building connections and as everybody knows it's so much easier to get an answer or to get some help with something or to offer help if you know you know somebody who knows somebody mm. and we within the service we sort of support that as well through a mentoring program mm -hmm. so we can help put students in touch with current gra with recent graduates who can help to mentor them which is fantastic I think the other thing I'd add is that we try and support students in putting together online portfolios and really getting their work out there, for example, if it's a film student, um, and helping to make their work visible because so many careers are about being able to you know, show what you can do, not just tell us about it. Absolutely. And do you get to keep in touch with the students that you work with, you know, to find out how they're getting on, where they've moved on to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on top of, of LinkedIn, I, I, I do a lot of work with my schools um, in terms of 
um, connecting with students in their final years and, and then sort of tracking them for, you know, after they've actually left. So, um, so this year I've actually had quite a lot of students that have obviously I've got in touch with and they've gone on to, um, you know, very good sort of graduate level roles. Um, so some examples of that would be um, the business graduate scheme at Cambridge University Press, um, accounting schemes at Grant Thornton, um, we've got a lady who's set up her own business called One Bond in marketing, um, graduates that have gone to work for Marks and Spencers in Norwich um, on um, graduate schemes, and within the School of Psychology, um, graduates that have gone to work as assistant psychological wellbeing practitioners and assistant psychologists. And I think we've got, we have students in, or graduates in the faculty who will go on to schemes, but actually a lot of ours have also gone into the creative industries and the cultural industries. So a, a, a recent graduate has just got, uh, landed a job at the V&A as an event manager, which is really exciting. And somebody else has gone into events and marketing for the Royal Society of Surgeons. A lot of people are getting into kind of smaller agencies and developing their content marketing or we've got producers and assistant producers and runners working in companies in London and around the country. It's all really exciting stuff actually. That's brilliant. That's really good to hear that our graduates are being able to take up some really amazing opportunities. Mm. Thanks very much. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. So we've talked a little bit about the support that's available um, for the students here, but thinking back to the sixth form environment, Mm. could you perhaps offer some advice for students who are starting their journey from sixth form? So thinking about those who've got an idea of where they want to go, but also those that don't yet have an idea where they want to go and are looking for example, perhaps at courses they enjoy at the moment and things Mm. they want to move on to. Mm. Okay. I mean, I think it is an incredibly difficult decision and it's not just about the course, obviously. It's about all of the other factors. I would say that if I'm going to try and put students in boxes, which I tend not to do normally, I would say there are typically three kinds of student. There's the students who have a particular love of learning and they love their subject. So they're coming to university because they love history or they love biology or whatever, and that's really driving them. So they're the learners. And that's a relatively easy decision for them. And I would say to those students who are maybe thinking, well, I love literature, but is that a proper degree? Those kind of solid humanities degrees and some of the the kind of really solid science degrees, they are fine because employers aren't always interested in your exact degree subject. They're interested in the fact that you've done a degree, and that's a different thing. You've got people who come who've got a really, really clear idea of where they want to be. So I want to be a doctor, or I want to be an accountant, or I want to be a researcher. And so for them, the decision is very much about choosing a course that really helps facilitate that particular path. Brilliant, fantastic. Bear in mind that sometimes you change your mind, but that, again, doesn't matter because you can always change direction. Careers change, people evolve, your life changes. It's not a fixed thing. And then there are people who come to university, choose the most obvious degree to them because they just kind of like it, but they're really coming because they want to be at university and it's that entire experience. And, and for those people, it's really encouraging them to start thinking about their career rather than just having a really good time for three years, which is also good. 
just to add, to add on that, particularly for those that are coming with, with some idea of, of what they're hoping to do after their actual degree, it is very important to do research into you know, particular courses. So for examples, of course, as I work with like accounting and finance, the students can gain exemptions from the, the chartered bodies. Um, so you've got the uh, what's called the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales, Association of um, Certified Chartered Accountants and uh, Management Accountants as well. And also on the Business Finance Management degree, this is affiliated to the Chartered Finance Institute as well. So there are benefits and not, not all degree programmes across the country will have those types of benefits. So it's important to look into those as well. Mm. It's definitely, um, you know, a weighing game for those students who are making those choices towards university. Do you feel you've got a particular type of student as you're working through? Do you see the determination of where they're going from, from what you're doing? Sometimes. So I think, I think they do. It, I mean, in my faculty, it's dominated by the learners. So the people who just love literature or love history or whatever. And increasingly, I think people in arts and humanities are, are kind of picking up on some of the anxieties around, is a humanities degree worth it? I think humanities degrees have been getting a really bad press recently. But employers actually say, we need people who are creative, who can communicate, who can see from other people's perspectives. So which is exactly what a humanities degree does for you. So we're seeing students who are actually really proactive and are coming in to see us mm. from day one and saying, mm. what can I do? What can mm. I try? And I think our, our general advice to all new students is, Coming to see the career service at your university doesn't mean that we're going to sit down and say, so what do you want to be when you graduate? We don't think in that way and we don't want them to think in that way. We want them to explore and everything that you try, every event that you go to, everybody you talk to over the course of your three years, they're all going to help you to get a clearer idea and really sort of test and say, is this what I want to do? Do I know enough about this? Have I got the skills? It's an evolving process. So I would say, come and get involved. We're really lovely people. <laughs> um, and we're not bossy. Um, but we're here to really kind of enable. And that's the whole service, not just the careers. So all career services are made up of all sorts of different aspects and elements. So we would say, come and you know try us. We want to help you. I would just reiterate, I would agree with all of what Adrian's just said there. Yeah. <laughs> Are there other opportunities that students can get involved in whilst they're at university that could boost their career options? Yeah, so we do have a, an enterprise centre as well um, as part of a career central. So, um, so part of their remit is to offer support to students that are, even if it's just a, a very basic idea that they've got for setting up their own business or just want to develop what we call entrepreneurial um, skills or skill sets, which... Again, even if they decide they don't want to be self-employed, is an important skill that many employers do look for nowadays. So there's support there to help with actually developing business plans, to, to market business plans, and to access funding as well to, mm. to gain support with that. And that's also freelancing and social enterprise. So if people think of enterprises setting up a business, it's actually much broader than that. So again, in the arts and humanities, we've got lots of people who go into freelancing careers. So the Enterprise Centre can help with that. And we had five shows up at the Edinburgh Festival this year from UEA graduates. Two at least were partially funded or funded by UEA Enterprise. So, so we really kind of want to get the creative entrepreneurs out there as well. And I think, can I just add that societies getting involved in the student newspaper, getting involved in running a society 
getting a part-time job in the union shop, all of those things matter. All of those things are important. So don't underestimate anything that you're doing because everything that you do teaches you a new skill and gains you a bit more confidence and helps you to recognise what you're good at. That's brilliant, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. Well, we've reached the end of another podcast. I hope you found all that information useful. Thank you very much, Lucy, for joining us. Thanks. Don't forget to email us on schools at uea.ac.uk if you've got any questions or there's anything in particular you'd like to see. Uh, But if not, we hope you have a great month and we'll see you next time. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.